listening to Vet Candy. Hey all, this is Dr. Jill Lopez. You may know me as the founder of Vet Candy, but do you know why I started Vet Candy? Simply put, it's because of people like you. I love that in our profession, there's always somebody new to meet. I'm really passionate about meeting new people and sharing their stories. And I consider myself fortunate to work in a field that is full of the coolest people on the planet. And that's why I created 21 Questions to share their stories. With 21 Questions, we take a deep dive into interesting stories and topics. We talk with others in a free-formed, wide-open, relaxed conversation to not only have some laughs, but maybe to inspire some people along the way. Are you ready to get started? I am. Let's go. I'm so excited to welcome to the show, Dr. Rachel Chrysler. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rachel. How are you doing today? Are you as hot as I am in Connecticut? Is it hotter in Arizona? I can assure you it is hotter in Arizona. We're still above 100 these days. Back in the day when I wore makeup every day, I don't think I could, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably, if I lived in Arizona and worked in, in a business, I would have to go in early get cooled down, then put my makeup on. But now it's like I only wear makeup when I'm speaking to somebody on Zoom. <laughs> so it doesn't happen that often. But oh my God, it's so hot and humid in the Northeast. And it's the first week in September. It's hot, humid, sweaty. The mosquitoes are crazy. Last week, it was beautiful. Three things that help you adapt to Arizona. What are those three things? Well, there's no liquid foundation. I can tell you that. <laughs> so the way I see it, you're going to be inside a quarter to the half the year anyway. I can say when I lived in Philadelphia, it's way too hot and humid in the summer, way too cold in the winter, kind of just hole up. So that's uh, that's what we do out here as, as much as we can. Uh, we still go out in the mobile clinic a little bit. Uh, and of course, uh, trying to keep that much below 86 when it's, you know, 110 out, that's that's a little bit tricky. But Wear some very breathable scrubs. Speaking of that, you know, 21 Scrubs makes their, their Australian scrub designers slash veterinarians slash reality stars and wildlife conservationists. I, sh I should get you a pair of their scrubs because it's like the perfect material. It's from Australia. It's like this material that's like so thin. It's so cooling and it has cooling vents on it. I should send some to you. That would be amazing. I, I think they probably know hot down in Australia. What's the third secret to survive in Arizona? June, July, August. I just have to get through June, July, August. And you kind of lie to yourself a little bit because now it's September and we're still above 100. But that's what you do. It's a little bit fun. Yeah, so Halloween's going to be cool. I grew up in West Virginia and I remember I always think Halloween is the day I have to wear a jacket. September 1st was the day I had to wear shoes. And then October 30th was the day I had to wear a jacket. You're so right about Halloween, though. So when I was a kid, I actually like sewed my own Halloween costumes. I got very into it. My mom taught me to sew when I was really young. This creation, and then you put a coat on it, because I, I lived in um, Pennsylvania and in uh, Washington State when I was younger. And now, out here in Arizona, no coat required on Halloween. So you can go crazy. You can make an amazing outfit and not have to put a coat on. There were times when I'd wear like a coat under my costume. And then I look like when you get to be a teenager, it's like, <laughs> you can't do that because you don't want anybody to think that you've gained a bunch of weight, you know? Okay, cool. So you're ready for your next question? I guess we got started pretty quickly. So what is the weirdest dream that you have ever had? 
Uh, you may or may not know I'm a second career veterinarian. In order to apply to vet school, I had to go to actually do a postback program for two years just to apply. And it's so funny because I used to have the dream, I think everybody has it, where you're in school and somehow you didn't go to a single day of class, but now it's finals and you're just not figuring out that you were enrolled in this class. And I had that dream all the time. And then I went to school, you know, 10 years after I'd finished undergrad and I never had that dream again. <laughs> wow. You, it's a miracle. This is a question I ask a lot of people and that almost everybody has that dream, either that or they come into the class naked and they have to take a quiz. And I had it too. I had it all the time. I was so terrified. I was so terrified that I was going to miss my um, test for real. And I would have dreams about it nonstop. Or I couldn't read the test. Like I would get this test and I had time and I'm real, like, I have to take the test as fast as I can. And I see the time is like, the you see the clock. And I look at my paper and I can't read it. And I can't understand it. And my heart's pounding. It's crazy. The secret is to go back to school. And then uh, at least it cured me. I did, however, get a new dream that I think only happened once. But I was trying to, maybe twice, I was, I was trying to scrub into surgery. And it was a rabbit surgery, which is um, funny with the anesthesia. I do remember that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so in a dream, I'm trying to get my gloves on and I it's just open gloving. And every time I go to put the gloves on, I'm doing some dumb thing where, you know, I, and I've open gloved. I don't, I don't even know how many thousands of times, you know, but I'm, I'm touching something or somehow it becomes unsterile. And then there's like things inside the glove wrapper. I go to open a new glove wrapper and there's what? There was Oreos in the glove wrapper. <laughs> and literally the rabbit is desiccating on the table. It's like, it's like, Turning into like because I'm probably waiting for I'm trying to get these gloves on uh, and I just cannot get them on and uh, and then that one was that one was a little a little creepy you know trying to and the, you know the rabbits like like turning into this mummy and uh, I I just can't you know I bet it's hard to put um, gloves on in Arizona right <laughs> surgical gloves you probably have to powder the heck out of them so yeah well I mean as you know they got they discontinued the powdered gloves and so. We went from Avagard, which is, you know, if you use that surgical scrub, that's a little, these nice re like residue kind of keeps working uh, for a few hours after you put it on, but it's, and it's very rich, doesn't dry your hands out, but you cannot put gloves on. It's another surgical scrub, but it's like just alcohol. We can actually get our gloves on. I'm sure at what cost to our, our hand skin, but at least unlike my dream, we can get the, get our gloves on. <laughs> Okay, next question. What's one of the most fun childhood memories you have? Well, actually, I got a computer when I was 12, uh, and that was a very, very formative. I had lots of fun. I made, uh, this was a, it's a Macintosh. I was making HyperCard. Uh, I, I use the word database very loosely, but I did. I, I so That was very, very exciting. Um, I actually, I rode horses when I was younger. Not, not, I mean, I wasn't like, I wasn't like competitive or anything like that, but that was a bit. I went to horse camp, went to horse sleep camp. I begged and begged and begged and begged my parents probably every day for five years to get a cat. And finally got one when I was 14. And that was a good day. Yep. And she was with me uh, through, you know, everything, high school, college, you know, living on your own for the first time, getting married. Like there's all kinds of you know, firsts that, you know, cats are the most constant thing in your life as you, you know, move about and uh, figure yourself out uh, early on. So <laughs> that's so sweet. Someone told me the other day that their best friend in high school was their dog and they would go running with their dog. They would come home from school and tell the dog, you know, it's like, OK, but that's nice, though, because like if you didn't have a dog, you'd be very sad and lonely. <laughs> 
So it's amazing. You hear that a lot with veterinarians. Veterinarians are drawn. We're drawn to animals. We Everyone says it. They like animals better than people. And that's why you go into it. But you always have to deal with people anyway. Speaking of that, if you could have dinner with a famous person, living or dead, who would you choose? Oh, gosh. You know, I just read this great history of surgery book. And I would have to say... I might pick one of the folks that was really pushing the envelope in their day and kind of get their perspective. So maybe someone like a Halstead or something like that. Oh, my God. You know, what's weird is like, I never knew about Halstead, but we did something. We did a CE program with Courtney Campbell, and he kept mentioning Halstead, Halstead, Halstead. The Halstead principles, the Halstead techniques. Yeah. Yeah, he was a genius. Did you know he became addicted to drugs at the end? Well, I would want to do the young Halstead. <laughs> The young Halstead. I was lit, reading all this that Courtney wrote. It's like, this is awesome. And then he said, however, he got addicted to morphine. Yeah, no, I think I did see that. I, I was, I'm an optimist, so I was remembering the part of the story. Do you know he also transfused his sister, like, the dining room table, but it probably wasn't the actual dining room table. They're hemorrhaged after giving birth. And even though they hadn't quite worked out blood, blood types and blood transfusions, fortunately, they happened to be a match because he did a direct... Um, whole blood transfusion from his arm to hers and uh, saved her. Oh my God. Wow. That's amazing. Maybe you can meet him early and get him, you know, not to try morphine or get him on to, you know, um, you could bring back methadone to him, get him off drugs, <laughs> or you could take him to the future. Wonder what he would do now. The things that like the robot surgeries, he would go crazy. And it's all due to him because he sped us up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I'm not going to generate the, the exact title of the book, but it was a great read. And it was so interesting because, um, you know, the history of, of you know, surgery is, uh, you know, especially pre-anesthesia and pre, you know, sterile technique is, uh, you know, really, it was um, quite low prestige. It was, you know, when you've heard the term barber surgeon, well, there's a and they're called barber surgeons, you know, get a little haircut, get a little surgery. Can I take your appendix off while I'm here? Would you like to have your appendectomy? Right. A little something off the top and a little. Yeah. So, um, you know, so really, uh, you know, which obviously isn't how we think about surgery now. It was a really interesting read. So I'll I'll try to dig out the title and um, send it to you. Let's stop right here. Keep your thoughts and let's go to a commercial break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Be right back with more vet candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. Next question. What's your favorite movie that you can watch over and over again? Ah, oh, you know, I have none. You know, I only have so much time in my life. And so I say, do I want to watch a movie I have seen or do I want to watch a new movie? Oh, you're not a repeater. So what is your favorite movie that you have seen once? <laughs> oh, gosh, that's a good, a good question. You know, it always just depends on, on what mood you're in. 
How about a cool evening in Arizona? You have the fire going and you have like um like a real soft like plush blanket on and a sweater and you're drinking hot cocoa and you're turning on the TV. What are you watching? I won't say it's my favorite and it's probably not, I don't know it's probably it's like a series more than a movie but I have a very good friend and we watched the uh crossword mysteries together. I'm not saying I'm proud but with the, what you just described would roll up on a little uh crossword mystery. Just mindless just to get your mind off of work and just just get lost into a romance. Yes, and the, there's the whole crossword angle and I'm a big fan of crossword puzzles, so Oh, oh, you have to be. You're a data girl. Next question. Who is your celebrity crush? Uh, had a celebrity hall pass for, I don't know if you've ever seen Celebrity Poker Showdown. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you remember Phil? Who's like the numbers guy? You know, they just need to get this on the river and like they'll win. I'm not even a poker player, but like, because he can do all this number stuff in his head and like, you know, he was, you know, charming. Um, he was my celebrity hall pass. Uh, not never consummated. Uh, celebrity hall pass. I just Googled him. Philip Jerome Helmuth Jr. is known as the famous poker player Phil. Okay. And he, on Celebrity Poker uh, Showdown, right? He stopped playing poker. Well, probably because he's such a great poker host. Um, I haven't seen this. is like decades old now. Like, so I'm like, is he still alive? It's, he is still alive. And the series was out in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally been decades. So, but you asked, I answered. It's okay if you can take part out. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is great. I can tell you not one other person said that. <laughs> not one other person. And we've done, I think I'm guaranteed we've done probably like a hundred of these. So, so that's good. You're very unique. So next question, what is your biggest fear? I am actually hugely afraid of heights. It's terrifying because you feel like your body's like rebelling against you and you can't control it. And it makes everything so much worse. And it's ridiculous too at the same time, right? Like, so it doesn't make any sense and you're out of control and literally the world is spinning around you and you're scared and terrified and humiliated all at the same time. So that is, it's horrible. Uh, so that is sort of like physically my biggest fear. But of course, you know, I couldn't be a veterinarian if I wasn't afraid of disappointing people or <laughs> or just, you know, not living up to goals or uh, aspirations I set. For so I think that those are those are two kind of very different answers. But um, absolutely, we just go with like a visceral. You can't help it. I am trying to close down all of these apps that give me alerts. I'm I hopefully you've got cool technology to. I don't even hear it. It doesn't even matter. It's like a real conversation. I don't even care. And then um, speaking of fear heights, the acrophobia is the is the term for it. I have that too. And it's people don't understand. It's like one thing to not like to not be stupid and look off of a tile building and feel weird, but to have true acrophobia, you shut down. Like I, I even got it on a um a gondola once when I was just dating my husband and I was trying to be cool and we we're going up and then it hits me and I'm like. I'm shaking in this like fetal position, you know, please, saying, please, Jesus, help me live. Please, Jesus, let me live over and over and over again till I got there. And then I looked it up and you know what it is, is that like acrophobics are nervous that they're going to accidentally fling themselves over. And that's why we get so panicked. I went to college. It's a, located on the top of a Cumberland Plateau. Beautiful hiking. I went on a beautiful hike and there's also some very steep like drops, right? And um, 
came to not even again you're thinking like be like right at the edge but like sort of like a gentle slope down to like the steep drop off you know it had some scree on it i mean things could happen if i could have a gentle slope i'm okay if i could roll down the hill but if it's yeah that's what i'm saying there's like a slope but there's like rock on it so i ended up crying hugging a tree not a good look it was a date yeah (laughs) it's scary well i guess it's a good fear to have you know keeps you alive right keeps you from falling off of stuff I would happily leave the vertigo behind. So this was this is in the 90s. So I uh, obviously didn't have a smartwatch or anything, but I, I went to my 25th college reunion last year and I didn't go on the same hike, but I went, you know, out a little bit and I kind of noped out and I looked down at my watch and it's like 128 beats per minute. And I, had, I was like, yep. It's real. It's re- I mean, it, you have a systemic reaction when you're terrified of heights. You have, and like I said, I'm getting in the fetal position and I'm pain, and I'm can't even think straight. And I'm just like, like I have rigor mortis. I can't even move. Yeah, it's double my resting heart rate. And I'm, you know, I, I went out just a little bit. There's a it's called Window Rock and uh, like this natural kind of bridge structure. It's Thirty feet down, so it's not like I have a very expensive brain. I can it's not not going. 30 feet down, but I, you know, went up just a little bit and I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I get like, you crazy, like certain things, like there's certain heights I can handle because I know I could survive. I'd break a bone or something, but anything that's like a, oh God, it just, even looking, I've been in hotels that were really big and you can look in the atrium, I'm like shutting down, like shaking. I couldn't stand beside, there's certain people I cannot stand beside in a place like that because I knew they would just joke and I would be so terrified I would fling myself over. (laughs) You know, I have a lot of weird friends. So next question, what's the wildest thing you've ever done? Let me sort through what is legal and what is not legal really quick. Wildest thing. Illegal's fine. (laughs) Um, You know, after I graduated college, I moved to a city where I didn't know anyone, didn't have a job and kind of figured it would all work out. And it did. So that was kind of wild and like a big sense of wild, you know, in terms of wild and crazy. I've definitely done some dumb stuff. I broke my arm and few years ago falling off a polo pony I probably had no business being on that's a that's a cool story look I'm still mocked about it trust me trust me but no I got a proximal humeral fracture that had to get plated and unplated and I tried to heal it in a well, not I I mean working with my doctor we tried to heal it in a sling for about a month that wasn't happening and I took boards during all <laughs> in the middle well you had nothing else to do right except study yeah I took my epidemiology boards. That would have been the most wildest thing because I was trying to get the surgery day scheduled. And I was, I figured there was only so many days available, uh, you know, for the doctor's schedule and whatnot. And the, the, one of the very few days that was available was the day before my boards. And I was like, you know, well, I was like, I was like, I think I could do it. And then, then my doctor's like, no. I would be terrified. I'd have like, like maybe a lack of oxygen or some kind of anesthesia thing. Well, of course, of course, it would be absolutely ridiculously stupid to have done that. But I was considering it because I really wanted to get this arm fixed. Okay. Oh, 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 hold that thought. We've got to go to commercial break and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Vet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race-approved videos taped in 4K. 
Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress, and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at myvetcandy.com. Now, you're double boarded, right? Epidemiology and then what's the other one? Uh, preventive medicine. Yeah. So these were the epidemiology boards, which not that I don't care about the preventive medicine boards, but I became preventive medicine sort of board certified so I could sit the epidemiology boards. So yes, I would be very disappointed to have sabotaged myself uh, unwittingly. Like I being hopeless for a month, I was done. Yeah, veterinarians don't do good having to rely on other people. We're very counter-dependent, they say. But if you had a dog that heard his, his humorous, right? You would be like, you know, making him homemade food and feeding it to him in a straw, you know, and taking care of him. But yourself, you like, you don't have that compassion. No, but you're right. I, I was able to study and um, it was actually my most productive research year. You know, I was out of clinics. My team um, had to pick up the slack for me, but I was able to do a little bit more of my work on the research side. So that was, uh, I just need to break the other arm. What would you tell your younger self? Well, I would, so I would tell my younger self and just what I tell my vet students now, which is pay attention to what's the big picture that's important and don't sweat the small stuff. I won't say it is all small stuff because, you know, we deal with big stuff in vet med, but to really don't lose track of, of the what's important in the big picture and don't let perfect be the enemy of good because that is um, something I see certainly, I, I, I think saw in myself early on I, I think that's largely been worked out through beaten out of me but my my vet students uh, of course many of them are in their early 20s and are I think are still learning that lesson so I try to reinforce that perfect is not happening anyway and it's going to keep you from doing great things perfectionism is is also really common in our field too and it does hold you back I don't feel like I'm a perfectionist but I sort of am with certain things like if like I can deal with something's not perfect, but it bugs me. If my bed is not made, I will, it will like bug me all day. It, that's just so stupid. It's so stupid. But every day is like, I could be dying of COVID or whatever. I will still get out of bed and make the bed. Maybe get back in it, but I have to have that bed made. My husband would think I'm the last person on earth that's a perfectionist. However, he is like everything he does is perfect, but it takes so long. Like his, he'll make dinner and it's the best food you've ever had in your life but you're eating it at 10 o'clock at night, but it's the best thing you've ever had. And every dish in the house is dirty. We could have nothing in the house. He could take a, like an old egg and an onion and make something incredible with it. It's amazing. But <laughs> three hours later, when you're halfway dead from hunger, here comes this beautiful gourmet dish. That's perfect. Okay. And now your last question. Um, what is your dream job? Oh, I have it. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's why I asked you a question. Tell us about your job. Like, tell us what you do and, and what's your, your dream job. Well, I'll back up for just a second. So I went to vet school knowing that I wanted to teach. I uh, specifically wanted to teach shelter medicine. So, uh, and I um, remember, you know, you apply, you get interviewed and, uh, and, and I wanted to be a clinician researcher. Those are two things. Right in my interview, I said, these are two, this is what I want to do. And they're, of course, like, oh, little vet student, like, or no, I'm not even a vet student, right? You know, I interview people now and, I, and they're like, oh, I'm going to gonna become a board of surgeon and then I'm going to own my own vet hospital. And I'm like, oh, you might, but like a lot of folks kind of come in 
And then, you know, they discover that, oh my goodness, I love population medicine and they go a whole other way. Or, so I'm sure that they, you know, listened, but we're sort of like, okay, you've got these dreams, but no, I'm, I am living them because I uh, was able, I've, so I've always worked in academia, but of course with a very, I, I do, I do clinics and I do research and I, I teach and uh, there's something new every day. And I've been able to be involved with you know, different um, organizations like the Association of Shelter Veterinarians and yes, the Association for Veterinary Informatics. I don't even know who those are, but I bet there's only like five people in that group, right? Oh no. Well, well yes, we are a small but passionate group. We're like a hundred. Um, and in fact, you should check us out because we've got a bunch of really great webinars coming up, including, uh, you know, some stuff on AI in, in vet med and databases that folks have access to and and things like that there's a lot of a lot of energy right now uh very exciting so who would join something like that i mean other than you because i think you're the only person i know that came in with your background being in informatics like do you have to be really good at math or do you have to do sudoku well it helps if you find that to be fun i mean we all share a passion for using data to be better essentially so, um, you know, so that, and, and everyone's got a whole different story because there's no direct line to a career in veterinary informatics. So we've all kind of, kind of made our way, you know, with our sort of winding paths. And so the, it's really great because this group's been around for um, decades. Yeah, it started out as a, like American Computer Society, Veterinary Computer Society or something like that. But it's really been a great way to connect people who are otherwise don't know other people, you know, who are working in veterinary informatics. and. Uh, bunch of our members have gotten jobs with these connections and uh, we have a yearly symposium where we kind of talk about you know new and emerging technologies or some of the you know we have a, we, it's a range so some of it's like very clinician oriented it's very hard you know people who are doing the machine learning models and and things like that so it's we try to, to present a you know to a, a wide audience um it's international so we get folks um who uh dial into these from a bunch of different countries so somebody like me, who's like, I mean, I did math and stuff. I don't play Sudoku. I love hearing like statistics. I don't want to say the word data, but I love like looking where you can take your data, like your, I don't want to say the word data. You can take all your clinical records and then see trends. So it's like a hobby. So I'm not like really doing it, but I am interested. So I should join this. You will look us up, look and see some of the things we're doing. Our presentations from past conferences are online and, uh, you can you can kind of see what we're what we're all about, but definitely I think it's a very exciting space to be in right now. What's the gender ratio there? Is it a lot of men in there? Or is it or is it mixed? Well, I'll say the older folks tend to be more male, and the younger folks tend to be more female. Kind of looks like vet medicine. Okay, cool. So that's great. And then the um, Association of Shelter Veterinarians. ASV. That I love, 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 love. And I, I really need to join that too. Although I'm not a shelter medicine, but I'm a fan. I'm like, a, I'm really a fan of people that do that. Now you are the founding editor of your all's journal, which I'm so excited about. I am still excited. Uh, we, uh, you know, launched last year. Uh, we're, uh, it's been out for just operational for just over a year now. Uh, you know, our rate of submissions has been increasing as we've we've had a bunch of exciting stuff just in the past uh, month or so, which is really great. You know, one of the things that we're really well known for as an organization is the, the guidelines for shelters. Yep, and that was published last year uh, in in the journal, and um, we're actually 
just probably in the, this coming week, we've uh, worked with the um, ICAP care organization, uh, special issues coming uh, to talk about uh, sort of their approach to humanely um, sheltering cats. So uh, we've got some rabbit standards on the way, husbandry standards. So yeah, it's just a really a fulfillment of a, a dream. You know, I joined the board almost three years ago now, and I wrote my, you know, you write a little, little cover letter, and I'm like, this is the one thing I care about. I am trying to join the board because it's one thing, and I was a little nervous, but like, if that's not in line with what they're interested in, they're like, why would they accept me onto the board? But uh, fortunately, I, I was successful and campaigned mightily. Fortunately, it was a shared vision, and yeah, here we are. I read their guidelines. It was, I used to work in a pharmaceutical industry, and we would get the guidelines and re I would read them like word for word. It was, it's the Bible of shelter medicine. So and we, we sold vaccines that so always like go there and see if there's any updates. Okay. Hold it right there. Let's take a break and go to our sponsor and we'll come right back and finish this conversation. We'll be right back with more vet candy. This is Dr. Jessica Turner, and I want to tell you about my new show, Living Well with Dr. Jessica. We talk about life, love, and living your healthiest life. Check it out on Fed Candy Radio or a podcast platform of your choice. Now, if somebody like listened to the show and they want to get to know you, I know you on LinkedIn. Is that the place where they would go to check you out to get to know you better? That's my only social media. <laughs> Cool. I have like fake social medias, but that's like my only social media. I love LinkedIn and it's it's so different than everything else. And everyone says like, I mean, they love Facebook. Like LinkedIn is my Facebook. So LinkedIn is your Facebook too. Well, well, thanks for being on the show. I'm, I was so happy to speak to you today. This was awesome. And listeners, so, you know, check her out. She's on LinkedIn. Read her guidelines, read her journal, join the Informatics Association. I'm going to join him. I, once I figure out where, as soon as I find my credit card, I am joining. Because it's very affordable. I love that. It's very affordable for people who are in the budget. So thank you for listening. And next week, I think we have Dr. Martha Blackmore-Smith on our show. It's Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.